The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. On the roundtable this morning, Jerry Agar from the Jerry Agar Show, 9 to noon, right here on News Talk 1010. Deb Hutton, former advisor to two premiers here in Ontario, and Scott Reed, former advisor to Prime Minister Paul Martin, now CTV political commentator and analyst. Uh, let me start with this story. It was based on somebody filed access to information to get their hands on the binder that is handed to an incoming cabinet minister. In this case, it was the one that was handed to the health minister at Queen's Park. And in the binder, there is a slide that says we have um, staffing issues in the healthcare sector, and one of the principal reasons for that is because of Law 124, which confines uh, pay raises to 1% for nurses and others. Uh, Scott Reed, is this some sort of a smoking gun or not much of a surprise? Well, it'll be picked up that way by um, by the government's opponents, but look, you have to you have to put it in context. When they do these transition books, and Deb knows this, they do these briefing books, they're briefing the minister by trying to say, hey, here's the scale of all the challenges. So you're going to have to go into cabinet, and you're going to have to argue with the central agencies for lots more money, for lots of resources. So it's, you know, that's the context in which they write that note. The other thing is, and this is very frustrating always to people at the political level, sometimes these notes get written without a lot of uh, conscious thought about how it's going to play in public. And it's like, hey, guys, come on, smarten up. Uh, are you actually advocating the repeal uh, Bill 124? I suspect that's not actually the public services position. So, you know, it could also just be a bit clumsy. But, you know, it's a headache for the government. Yeah, Deb Hutton, Scott's right that because uh, that it's going to be spun in a certain way, certainly by the opposition and probably by people in the healthcare sector and some of the unions, uh, because the way it is being represented is that the minister knew something and she wouldn't, uh, she never let it slip, but she knew there was a problem and what should be done to change it. Well, it would be the worst kept secret in the world if we didn't think that there was a problem. And it would have been incredibly irresponsible if a civil servant writing the transition binder didn't flag that Bill 124, along with working conditions, by the way, which speaks to the pandemic, uh, isn't an issue. So I... My answer to this is sort of like, uh, duh, of course it's there. It's also uh, has other information in it, such as registrations have not really changed over the course of the last number of years, pandemic aside, they've maintained their stability. Uh, there may be an issue of uh, whether nurses have moved into different jobs, and that's certainly something that the minister will have to address. There's also a ton of stuff about PSWs, which, as someone who just came through a, a you know a, a dad with dementia and looking for care, is a huge issue for the minister of health and one she has to deal with. So, as I said, my answer is sort of uh huh. Of course, that this is something that would be in the minister's binder. Okay, let me ask you, Deb. Hutton, based on the fact that you were in the Premier's office, um, is this binder something that would be routinely available through an access to information request? Because if so, it seems like a pretty rich vein to mine. Uh, yeah, of course it is. There will be some things in there, which is uh, pure advice to government. So, for example, if there were legal opinions about the government's ability to to move forward with Bill 124, that would be considered advice to cabinet. But in terms of general briefing notes, it's the same sort of stuff that appears in briefing notes for question period. Ministers go into question period federally or provincially, uh, and they have binders that tell them suggested uh, responses as well as facts. And those are also available for freedom of information. But again, there's nothing here, John, that most of us who are following the issue wouldn't know. 
And Jerry, I know you wanted to weigh in on this, but your microphone's not working there. I, 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 there I guess it it's is. working now. This, this, could we make a note? This button doesn't work. Okay, because I think that one. Nick turned my. Jerry's trying to press your buttons. Yeah, I'm pressing my button. I no, I was just going to make the snarky comment that the reason 572 that I don't go into politics is that I have to read a binder like that. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, and Jerry, I'll start with you on this one. I don't know if there's much more to be said. The police board unanimously approved the new budget last night, so it goes to city council. I don't think John Tory's going to have that much trouble with it. There are seven councilors, I think, who have said that they object to uh, new money being given to the police force, but seven out of 25 ain't. Ain't math. Okay, so uh, here's my question for those seven. Have you also seen the stories of uh, people's complaints about the great delay in getting a cop to come to your house if somebody breaks into your house? Um, problems with uh, getting action from 911. Which do you want? Um, hey, if it takes 18 hours to get a cop to your house, that's what it takes, or we get more cops. Those are the choices that we're facing, all right? So if those seven want to be on the side of, yeah, we don't got cops for you, then, uh, you know, God. Bless him. Let's make sure that everybody knows who they are when the next election comes up. Yeah, Deb, I think the merits of whether or not we need new police officers has been discussed to death. So, like I said, I don't know if there's any new ground to cover this morning now that it's been passed. Well, except a good chunk of those seven are actually on the side of defund the police. So this isn't about the specific number. It is about the fact that they don't like supporting the police and adding to the police budget. Not all of them. I think Amber Morley, uh, you know, said she just feels it should go elsewhere. But let's be clear, a good chunk, as I said, are about defund the police. Scott Reed. Uh, agree with that. I, I'll take it in a slightly different direction. Uh, this is a difficult year to put together a budget. It's always a difficult year in Toronto to put together a budget because demands are always going to w- ridiculously outstrip supply of uh, resources. But this is a particularly tough year. And I think the mayor and his office have really done a, a, a shrewd job of managing it. You know, they've been announcing planks building up consensus, then they get the approval from the various boards. You know, like they've created a little bit of political momentum, recognizing there's going to be criticism, recognizing councillors going to be upside some of them. But they've done a good job of dominating the news cycle on this and really putting the onus on those who are going to oppose the budget to explain why. And I I just think politically as a middle, as a a little bit of, you know, a game craft, they've done a really shrewd and effective job. Uh, This audio is too delicious not to enjoy at full length. This is Justin Trudeau during the election campaign in 2015, not only saying that his government wouldn't buy fighter jets, but mocking the Conservatives for after foot-dragging for something like five years, deciding they would. That a new Liberal government won't buy the overpriced F-35 stealth fighter jet. It's a stealth fighter that will cost tens of billions more than what Harper promised. A stealth fighter that can't defend our Arctic. A stealth fighter that's not actually stealth. And until yesterday, a fighter jet that Stephen Harper's own government put on hold for those same reasons. Well, this is now the fighter jet that Stephen Harper wants to buy no matter what, no matter what it costs. That F-35 might be Stephen Harper's dream, but I can tell you, for Canadian taxpayers, it'll be a nightmare. Okay, Scott Reed, I'll start with you, because I think the debate over how to buy new warplanes dates back even probably before your time in the Prime Minister's office. Uh, But yesterday, Anita Anand, the Defence Minister, said that this jet is the perfect jet. 
Well, that's because everything's changed, John. Like everything obviously has changed. Everything about the plane, everything about the world, everything about all of the conditions. Look, it is what it is. This is what happens in politics. I can remember when Chrétien campaigned, we will not buy those helicopters. And, you know, we bought the helicopters a few years later, right? <laughs> Did so, he actually you know, say helicopters? <laughs> well, that was kind of the joke. I think it was okay. the guys from, uh, you, know. you know, from Air Force, right? Okay. Said, yeah, I know. I will not buy. Never will I sign it on the paper for the helicopter. But, uh, you know, they... <laughs> They eventually they eventually did. So, you know, this is what happens. The big grinding wheels of military procurement, they always crush you in the end when you're in the uh, when you're in the prime minister's office. So but what I was surprised about, by the way, just one other thought, we're buying 88 of them. Like, I don't know a lot about military procurement, but that's a lot of fighter jets, isn't it? Like, you know, I'm I'm all for giving the military the hardware they need, but. 88? Holy crow. Like, everyone's going to get one, I think. Yeah, we spoke with uh, Christian Luprecht at uh, Royal Military College. He said it's the right plan, it's the right number. Uh, but, Jerry, you know, the, the greater question would be, we can debate politics here if we want to, but if it's the right plan to buy, then let's buy it and not make fun of the Prime Minister for years to come for having been so stridently against it before. Yeah, I, I was channeling my inner Dalton McGinty. It's never too late to do the right thing. But uh, but how, how much has the cost of these planes increased while Trudeau stuck to his position for all those years. I don't know. Well, because that would be a fair bit. Okay. A fair bit. Because part of it was how much it was going to hurt the poor taxpayer. Well, he screwed the taxpayer on this deal. And it's 88 because it's one for every piano key. It's just a tip of the hat to Oscar Peterson. Okay. I thought maybe it's one for every year of age for Jean Chrétien if we want to come back to Chrétien. (laughs) A helicopter for every year. You know, happy birthday to me. Yeah. Uh, Deb Hutton, last word. Or do you have a Jean Chrétien impersonation? I do not. I have some great stories, but I do not for a 15-minute segment. Uh, Just get on with it. Like, my worry is by the time we get these things, A, I may be dead, and B, they may be out of date. We have have ragged the puck so long on this one. So just get on with it. Um, let's see. A judge has given a go ahead, go ahead to a civil action about COVID deaths in long-term care homes. But the issue here would be that they're going after the government. And uh, Deb, you were in government, so maybe I'll start with you. I think they've chosen the wrong target. Maybe it's an easy one, but I think they've chosen the wrong target. Yeah, and it depends what their goal is, because this issue really has had a lot of coverage, as it should have had, uh, with with a, a look into it and with recommendations and all those things. Listen, I am never a fan of class action lawsuits. I don't like going through the courts for these issues. I think uh, the public policy forum is a better place to do it. And I think, as I said, that has been done. However, if ever there was going to be a lawsuit around COVID, this is probably the one. Okay, Jerry? Well, if it ends up serving as an investigation, which is sort of what I'm hearing from Deb, I, I, there's, I guess, a silver lining there. Uh, and Scott, I, I mean, well, it's a pretty high threshold to prove that the government was negligent. Yeah, my, my suspicion is it'll never succeed in that respect. But, you know, when you do these class actions and, you know, by the way, like the lid should be blown right off of the way that we've managed long term care homes, not just during COVID that exposed it, but even prior. So I'm all for it. But really what they're doing is they're shooting at every target in order to, you know, facilitate a broader discussion, in order to facilitate a bigger settlement, in order to facilitate even more engaged action. 
A uh, grocery store has introduced a slow checkout lane. This is actually in Holland. And the idea is if you're looking to have a conversation with the person who's cashing you out, then that's the lane you get into. Uh, Deb Hutton, I'll start with you on this one, because first of all, via text, you alerted me to the fact that you, your husband and me are the only two people you've ever heard use the expression, expression chit-chat. I know. I never hear it. And Tim says it all the time, chit-chatting. And then I heard it out of your mouth this morning. So you two can get in that line and you can chit-chat all <laughs> you want. You can, you can use your coupons. You can do your price checking. You can dig Pay in the bottom check. of your pocket for uh-huh. money and your card and everything. I, there needs to be a big sign over this line that says, if you are not ready to pay, if you are not willing to pay the price on the item, if you are not sure if you want it, like this is the line for you. Leave the other lines for people like me who just want to get in and get out. I don't want to talk. I don't want (laughs) to dig in the bottom of my purse. I just want to tap and go. And and in that lane, it's also acceptable to say, oh, I forgot the butter. Just a minute. I'll be right back. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's the line. And then the line for leave us alone uh, is is for the rest of us. (laughs) If you want to chit-chat, go home home or to a bar bar, but get lost lost if you're in the grocery store. The three of us should go shopping together. (laughs) We would be a formidable force. It would be like a marine seal operation, I think. That's right. We come in in slow-mo. It is nice that they'll all be in one spot now so we can take collective action i just i wonder how the cashier gets chosen it just has to be one of those chatty people with a happy face button it's Aunt oh i've got a few of them at my grocery store yeah. They, yeah. i can yeah. send them over no i do too there's always this guy who picks something up and says how do you cook with this and it's like I don't, i'm not here to tell you how i'm going to cook with it just cash it through uh my thanks to scott reed deb hutt and jerry agar Catch the round table, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.